Hey there. Welcome to the Ashtanga Dispatch Podcast. I'm Peg Mulqueen, your host, along with Megan Powell. Today's guest is an unusual one for us. Though he's as devoted to his Ashtanga yoga practice as anyone I know, he doesn't teach. Or at least not in the formal sense anyway. Instead, he rises at 3 a.m. so he can practice before he leaves for work as a tradesman. He also isn't on social media. I mean, you're more likely to find him in his utility truck at lunchtime listening to Krishna Das than posting on Instagram or Twitter. But what's perhaps most unique about today's guest is Mark Bent grew up with two parents who cannot hear. Mark is known as a coda, a child of deaf adults. And it's why Megan and I asked him to do this interview. You see, we were putting together May's issue of The Path, which is a journal that members of our community receive each month. The archetype of this issue was the wild one, with a bodily awareness that involves all of the senses. And so we thought it would be interesting to know Mark's experience of listening and self-expression growing up with two deaf parents as part of The Path, not the podcast. And so it's a good thing that Mark loves Megan because I'm not sure he knew what he was signing on for. You see, Mark is also Megan's fiance. Both students of Dina Kingsburg, they met in her shala in Byron Bay and now live in Tasmania. But when I listened to Megan's interview with Mark, I knew that his story was bigger than just the journal. It really touched my heart. And there were parts that broke my heart too. And yet it was in those broken bits that Mark found his calling, not as someone who teaches the yoga practice, but as someone who actually lives it. I'll let Meg and Mark take it from here. I hope you enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome. You may not know, but this is my fiance, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) And we've asked Mark on this recording today to talk about something that's very unique to him, um, a very unique experience. And that is that Mark is known as what's called a CODA. Can you explain to us what that means? A coda is a child of a deaf adult. So I was born with two deaf adults, actually, (laughs) both my parents. (laughs) And yeah, they were both born um, completely deaf. And so what was that like growing up? Super different, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's one of those things where... From an early age, it, it was normal, but I guess the older I get and up until now, it's like, yeah, you realise that it was a really different way to sort of experience the world and um, it, it was unique to see um, how my parents experienced the world as well. Yeah. This is our talk. Our talk Always. has joined the talk already. <laughs> <laughs> we watched a movie... <clears throat> called Coda, actually, and uh, like myself, I didn't have this experience growing up with 
um, actually knowing anyone that was deaf and you, even your aunt yeah. as well as deaf. Um, so for me, it was a great insight to how Mark may have grown up. Um, did you notice any like similarities between um, your upbringing and the movie? Yeah, the movie's epic if you haven't already watched it. Um, we, Megs and I watched it recently and um, yeah, it was really, it was really emotional for me to watch it because I resonated with it so much. Just seeing how um, how different it was, and 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 I think sound, whether it's coming from communication or just sound in the world, is can be taken for granted. And you kind of yeah, seeing a movie like that, that it, it was done so well, a lot of it rang true, and yeah. So, so what do you mean like taken for granted? It's pr probably not the case for most people, but I think like just so many things that, you know, like a bird fluttering its wings or like distant sounds of things that are happening in the world, like we can kind of gloss over and, um, yeah, seeing, seeing the way that um, my parents interact with the world and like having them so focused in on the direct experience is, is, yeah, it's really motivating and inspiring. Yeah. And I think that really sort of showed in the movie as well. Um, they really, um, you know, highlighted those characters, you know, the parents that were, and, and how they interacted in the world was really different. And really difficult. I mean, just really difficult. Yeah. like, for us, it's so easy to have this conversation right now and to go out and because of like what I've noticed, um, I think the most for me watching like your parents or your mom out in the world is how, like you said, how we take for granted um, being able to communicate and how the world isn't set up for her to communicate no. with a, like just ordering a coffee or getting the bus or anything like that everything's much more challenging it is yeah and in today's world everyone's busy you know like people don't um they don't have time to confront something that's different like you know uh, confront a challenge that's different from their everyday everyday sort of ease of speaking interactions you know and they're forced to go oh okay like I need to write something down on paper to 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 send a message, or it's yeah, it's interesting in that way. And I saw that how difficult that was, you know, um, how patient my parents are is is one of the things that um, really inspired me. Yeah. <laughs> I think I want. I wonder just to go off of that. Um, how might the was there a responsibility for you as a kid to be that um, intermediary between like even from a young age like your parents yeah. and other people and you were kind of that person mm. was that something that happened totally yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah like and and again like when you when I was young I 
you know, it's just an everyday thing for me. Although um, now I see it as well, like how much, um, not that they relied on me, but it just made it, it made it easier to, to transition from their difficulties and just to make everyday experiences um, easier. And, and it was something that I kind of consciously did from a young age was to, you know, to, to try and, um, yeah, just be that sort of that bridge in communication in, 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 to make it easier for them. One thing that I think is really interesting, like talking about communication, is is watching you communicate with your mom and how um, just how alive it is to watch you and your mother, uh, whether it's in person or even over a video, like over FaceTime. And how dynamic it is and expressive, and that's something I think I'm not like as I'm becoming used to like communicating with your mom. Like yeah. I'm not very expressive in my facial expressions, or am I? Uh, you are. <laughs> I think Peg and I'm sure Robert would attest to how expressive you are. And I was saying that to Peg when she was here recently. How much of a connection that you both have in the way that you know you so much can be said with with no words between you and your mum you know you because you wear it on your face and in your eyes you know? <laughs> like yeah so i think and that's the thing you've i find having that experience and kind of um being aware of facial expressions because that is um with with hearing impairment or someone that can't hear, like the communication is signing and using your hands, but also it's body language, you know, it's facial expression is a huge thing. So to blend those two things together is, you know, it's crucial in being able to hold and share a communication, you know, a conversation. Well, it's funny because we were like, Mom and I were recently, actually just this morning, talking about sort of talking about Mark coming on here and um, sharing a bit of his experience and something that we noticed with what happened. Mark and I are right now in the midst of planning for a wedding. And mom came to visit, Peg came to visit here. And <laughs> mom and I had a bit of a disagreement of with some things and it was more of a miscommunication but it became you know it was a bit rough between mother and daughter and <laughs> it was one afternoon and mark came home from work and i mean it was it, it was rare it is incredibly rare but it was a significant a significant uh sort of butting of heads and mark came home from work and he, he immediately walked into the door and he actually didn't even step into the house. He just goes, whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> Did <laughs> yeah. I? You didn't even like, yeah. you didn't even come in. You just go, ooh, this feels, I, I think yeah. you said, 
he could cut through the tension <laughs> with a knife or something. Yeah. And he actually didn't even walk in. He just sat outside, which, you know, it's funny. I don't, we reflected on, like, I don't really know if everyone actually would have noticed. Um, just, we didn't even say anything. You just came in and immediately felt it. And I, we kind of thought, it's rare for someone to really be able to immediately pick up on um, those cues right off the bat. I mean, you hadn't even walked in the door. You just felt it and <laughs> didn't even step in. And yeah, like maybe that's a part of, because of your upbringing, being able to immediately feel like that body language and that energy. Yeah. Do you think? I think so, yeah. I think um, that was a huge element of my upbringing was it's it's kind of it's a hard one to explain but I think when you know when when you when you're with something for so long it becomes a part of your everyday you know part of your life you kind of you know and you experience, you experience a, a that layer, that layer of reality. And for me, it was like, we didn't really talk much at home. Um, you know, we, we, we spoke and expressed ourselves through sign language and expression, but there also wasn't, um, you know, the, the TV wasn't playing, radio wasn't playing. There wasn't like a constant backdrop of different types of information, things that you can get caught up on. And it was, so it was kind of you there and I think when like we learn with meditation or you know like pulling the senses away we it, it heightens other areas um internally so I think yeah I think there definitely was that aspect and I'm I'm really grateful for that <laughs> yeah um and I noticed that with mum as well with mum and dad like they because obviously it's for them it's even like it's a hundredfold because they are the ones that can't hear you know and with mum especially she like she loves music but she has her connection with sound is feel like she feels things and she can feel like the next one hey the screen you know she feels like doesn't she she feels yeah. She feels sound and like she just feels different things that sometimes things that we don't even hear, she'll feel. And it's pretty cool to see and yeah, see that. And she's feeling the vibration. Yeah. 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 And she can feel like she can feel, yeah, when someone's angry, she felt like just things that, yeah, again, we, you kind of, you look like you can lose track of that sensibility, but when 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 they're the things that you need, then yeah, they're, they're very much a reality, you know, and they're experienced more so. Yeah. Yeah, which is really cool. She's yeah. very sensitive. Yeah. I remember being in a cafe when we mm. when she came to visit and. She was sitting up against, um, was it concrete? 
I think it is Cafe. Sunday Sustainable. Um, and I remember, and she put her hands over her, her ears. And I said to Mark, you know, is can she hear a little bit? Because there there's a scale, right? Yeah. Of like, can mm. you explain that a little bit? Yeah. Um, yeah. So you can be born. I think I think to be born profoundly deaf or to be profoundly deaf, it's zero to twelve percent of of hearing. Um, and then in that sort of in that area, you you can't have any sort of implantation or any hearing aids like they just won't work or any amplification and then after that from 12 upwards you can you can um, get cochlear ear or you can wear hearing aids um and mum and dad are both actually zero yeah so they have no no sound amplification and my auntie my mum's sister is also profoundly deaf um, oh, sorry, she's not profoundly deaf. She's just over 12%. I think she's around 20 and she wears hearing aids, but that only gives her vibrations as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually no sound, like no specific sound. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I remember your mom covering her ears and I thought, mm. wait, can, can she hear? Like. I'm not, yeah. I don't really understand because, you know, that would definitely yeah. mean like, but it was actually. And I always thought that too, like growing up as a kid, I, <laughs> like even still now, like I'm 35 and sometimes I'm like, is she, is she joking? Like, can she actually hear? <laughs> <laughs> but, no. no, she can't. <laughs> but we're, it's more of like that, what that sort of signifies, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but it was the it was the vibration yeah. or yeah. and that was Everything, like yeah. it was overwhelming to the senses. Yeah. But I do notice when you speak to your mom, um, or sorry, when you sign to your mom, you are you can't be doing anything else really. Yeah. yeah. Um but sign. Yeah, totally. And so you're like you're fully engaged in that communication with her. Yeah. yeah, that's really fascinating. It is cool. And I think that's yeah, another one of my favorite things with Auslan or with with signing is that you have to be engaged and you know, because you you don't want to miss anything. And yeah, you can't you can't sort of be doing something and talking, you know, to someone who's in another room or <laughs> yeah. you know, things like that, like that just doesn't happen. And I think, yeah, I think that also is something that I've learned to love. And, you know, we, I think another thing that's what kind of led me to the yoga path is having experienced like this particular type of life, it made me want to express, you know, and and connect with people more and and to and for people to connect with each other because you see you know it's so much from going down to the shop or you know saying g'day to someone on the side of the street or and yeah it's becoming less and less that people are giving their time to share in 
in relationships. You know, we're, we're all too busy, and um, so that's like I think really important. <laughs> it is because I can talk to you and be on my phone at the same time. Yeah, and <laughs> not fully engaged there all the time. <laughs> but yeah, what happens? <laughs> yeah. Let's go back to your mom. I think, and something that you have said, and I might not get this like fully right, but your mom was. In, in your auntie Catherine, we're kind of told, you know, kind of not to sign. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And to not really communicate in the way that they or like kind of have to be able to communicate sure. the sign language. And what happened from that? Like, why were they not allowed to communicate? Kind of mm -hmm. what was the history there? And then what came out of that? Yeah, yeah so... Um, I'm going to assume people don't know, they sort don't of, know <laughs> um, but sort of pre-1980s, um, there was a lot of people born deaf through, uh, through medical side effects. Um, one of them, and the main, the main um, medical condition was German measles. And so, yeah, the mother had German measles at conception then, or during pregnancy, um, their child would be born with hearing um, difficulties. Um, and so actually my dad was born deaf through that. His mum had German measles and mum was born deaf um, genetically, yeah, because her sister's deaf. And um, yeah, so, um, and then after the 1980s, obviously science and medicine were able to find a vaccine. Um, vaccine? I mean, was it a vaccine? It may or may not have been a vaccine <laughs> that helped German measles. Yeah. We'll get back to you on that one. Keep we'll going. get back to you on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and so actually um, mum was sent to a boarding school when she was quite young. She was, I think, six years old um, when she went to boarding school and her younger sister is um, went years later. And at that school, yeah, they it was actually a school um, for the deaf and dumb, which, um, you know, society used um, in those days, um, something I feel really strongly against. Um, because I think it kind of, it just categorises people um, and it kind of, um, yeah, I just, I, I think it's just such a blanket thing to, to put on people. Um, so, but yeah, that's, that's what it was called. And because of that, they, um, it was an integrated school um, with people with hearing disabilities as well as um, kids with other different um, learning disabilities um, and yeah they weren't actually allowed to sign they, you know from, from six years old they were told to have their hands beside their waist um, and to not speak until they had speech classes where they were you know 
speech pathologists would come in and they would try and teach them how to talk. And for anyone that has any idea what talking to someone that's deaf is like, it's, you know, some can talk really well and, and some can't, but it's not, I mean, that's not how they were born. They weren't born to, to use their voice. So, um, yeah, that was really sad to sort of find that out. But, um, yeah. So it wasn't until, um, and so when Catherine, my auntie Catherine went to school, she and mum had their own kind of communication and they would sort of sign, although at the time they didn't actually know um, that it was just their particular um, creative <laughs> sign language, which was cool. And then they would do that in private and then when they went into a public setting that it was back to, you know, what they, what they were told. Um, and so they kind of, that was their reality through school and, and because it was a boarding school through life up until mum left school when she was 16. Um, and then she, when she came home, um, she kind of then started to develop a community of, of deaf friends in which they started signing and, and then they discovered Auslan, which is the Australian uh, version of sign language, Australian sign language. And then it kind of, then Auslan evolved and, and started to become um, in the public. Um, so yeah, mum always, she sort of says, you know, it wasn't until she was 16, 17, 18, that she actually started to embrace who she was, yeah. Uh, as a person and, and yeah that's when she sort of really came alive and I think that's the case for a lot of deaf people you know my dad was the same he went to actually the neighboring boarding school to mum and you know hands by the side and it, it, it was pre pretty tra traumatizing for them to experience that way of life and, and I think because of because of those hardships, it it really just I mean it just you know they're so beautiful because of that you know they embrace who they are and 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 I think you see that in you as well, yeah. which is really beautiful. Um, yeah. And she's so. Like, I think what amazes me is how patient she is and passionate about Auslan. Like, I mean, I love your mother because <laughs> for me, I, I know very few signs and she is incredibly patient as I spell out every single, because I want to learn, but I don't know any of the words and so or any of the signs and so I'm spelling everything out and I imagine she's just in her head like oh dear lord <laughs> and, and she spells everything out for me um but your mom is a is an incredible communicator because 
even like I have like I'm I struggle to know what she's trying to say to me but yet and I struggle to communicate what what I'm trying to say and and yet because of her like her movements and her embodiment in the way like her facial expressions and just how expressive she is we can communicate so much just like that yeah which is incredible yeah um that's something yeah. I find really amazing it is, and beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, that's just patience that um, she's had to embrace. I think, like, she loves, you know, she loves, and, and Dad loves when people have the patience to to try. It doesn't matter how how long it takes, or it, just the fact that people try means a lot. And I think that's something that myself, I carry in my everyday interactions as well because I see, I've seen, you know, I've seen the the pain and frustration that that can cause when people don't have the time. And, you know, I see my parents wanting to share because we we all want relationships, you know, we all want to be heard. We all want to be understood, and and so having seen that, I, I carry, you know, I carry that with me. It doesn't matter who I see; I always try and give people time. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't imagine being like told not to communicate, mm. and being forced to communicate in a way that is like. I don't know if unnatural is the right word, but that that's not the way that your mom was born to communicate. No. And how just, it's hard to wrap like one's mind around how horrible that is. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because it, it, I mean, for someone that's born deaf, they have, they have a completely different language function. Like it's not in spoken English. It's 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 not with the vowels and nouns. It's it's completely different. It, and so yeah, to be to 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 be taught something that you don't even have the functions to understand would yeah, I'm sure it would be pretty gnarly. Very gnarly. Well there's one way to describe that. I wonder how, like, how you grew up. So, for me, my first word spoken was no, which you can probably imagine. (laughs) 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 But how that your parents signing, what did you learn first? Signing or, or spoken English? Or do you remember... Um, signing, for sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you have a first sign? Um, Do you know? I can't really remember remember that, truthfully. Um, <laughs> but I do remember, yeah, I think what I've told you, we've spoken about, is that as a kid, like, for me to be in front of this camera is huge. Like, it is. You know, like, I, you know, for me as a kid, I was so nervous talking to people because 
it, it wasn't normal for me. As, you know, uh, at home, I would do silent and everything would be silent. There'd be no TV, you know, there would be no radio. It would be silent and then silence. And so when I went to school, when I was sort of six and seven, the first year, I didn't, it, it, you couldn't get anything out of me and I just wouldn't talk at all to anyone. And I was so quiet and, um, yeah, so I forget where I was going with this. <laughs> but, you were yeah, and I, Lost my chain of thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I found it, fa the one thing I found fascinating was, you know, when I started to meet a lot of different people, different kids, like at school, I noticed that, you know, some, sometimes when you're six, seven and eight at school, like the topics of conversation are pretty, you know, they could be, Anything. Anything. <laughs> and it's very imaginative, you know, it's it's what the kids are experiencing. Um, but then as you get a little bit older, it's, you know, what what your parents are talking about at home. You know, oh, my, my parents said this, you know, or, and then it's sort of what's happening in the world, you know. So something could happen. I remember actually when um, September 11th happened, actually, when I was a kid. And I remember going to school and it was just, I mean, people were just talking about it everywhere and I'd, I hadn't even heard about it. And that was like huge because it was such a massive, a massive thing that happened. And um, that was kind of the first time where I thought, all right, like my life's different. Like I, I don't have... Um, just that access. And I think now, I think that's almost a good thing in, in some ways because, yeah, I mean, how much do we need? To, how much information do we need? You know, and I, I think it's, um, what do you think? <laughs> I think we're constantly bombarded with, information but what what i want what i mean definitely as someone I on, off track. <laughs> no you said yeah. that was the moment that you know like it kind of understood that your life was different mm -hmm. and like that you hadn't actually it, like you it is a very different upbringing yeah. i mean incredibly different Mm. Um, than what I would say is like quote unquote maybe normal or mm. what we might think of yeah. as normal. I mean, yeah. it's certainly different from mine, and um, and it leads you to very unique experiences that yeah. a lot of people don't have. I think even even especially um, just as you being a child of deaf adults and um, and how that's different. One last thing, I think, and then we can. Yeah. You worked with kids yeah. as well, and that have because we were talking about having a lot of information, and there was one thing that I remember you saying um, about.
about kids with the cochlear implants mm. and how actually it can be really um, difficult for them, for the kids, because there's actually like a frequency because um, you can explain it better than I can, but there are different frequencies mm. and because that they're implanted and they're picking up like radio frequencies. They also have like maybe sounds that aren't necessarily able to be really physically heard, but but how that but it still comes in, it's still being like transmitted and how that um causes um like frustration because there's yeah. a lot of information there. Yeah, yeah. And discomfort. Yeah. yeah. I, I found, you know, um, in yeah, I worked at a high school um, interpreting for deaf kids, and um, I was working at a high school in Queensland in the Gold Coast, and there was 13, 13 deaf kids, um, and they had sort of different ranging levels of of, of hearing. Um, some of the kids had one cochlear ear, um, some of the kids had two cochlear ears in both sides. And then there were some kids that had hearing aids. Um, there was also a kid, which I found was really fascinating, that uh, he he could hear, but the, the language, he could actually hear, but the language part of his brain, um, th th there was a missing link and he wasn't actually able to uh, speak. Yeah, he wasn't actually able to communicate and translate what he was hearing to, to spoken language. So he actually used sign language. Um, and yeah, I, he was really, really cool. He was one of my favorites. Um, I actually used we to take We don't him. have favorites. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to other kids if you're watching. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, we. We went surfing. I took him surfing quite a lot. He was a really interested surfer, and um, yeah. But uh, for anyone that doesn't know as well, cochlear implants are given to people that have hearing over twelve percent. Um, if if you choose, like it's you know, if you if you want cochlear, uh, then you can get some implantation that. Uh, I'm not actually sure exactly the science behind it, but it, it amplifies, amplifies the, the sound and frequencies. Um, but also there's, there's no, um, they're so sensitive that things can throw out the, the, the vibrations and it, just like your phone speakers sometimes, like it can really um, send, like you can even, I could hear it. Like I can hear wow. the different um, sounds buzzing in their head and it was quite loud. And um, yeah, I could, like I could see the pain um, that some of the kids were going through with the things like that. Sometimes kids would just, you know, rip them out of the head. And I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, obviously it's a huge decision um, for the people that are in, that want to get them and their families uh, involved. So, I'm, and I know it's a huge debate within the deaf community. Um, and it's a huge topic. Um, 
Yeah, but for me, it was kind of, it was sad. Yeah, it was, it was sad to see um, some of the kids, you know, and how they were, just that little part um, similar to my parents as well. Like they were, um, and it's such a hard thing to, to call because obviously, you know, your parents, you know, want nothing but the best for the kids. So they, like if, if, you know, if they're born with any type of disability, they want to try the best that they can to ensure that the kid has the best life. And that's, I'm sure that's the case in, in, in every case with kids that have, have cochlear. Um, but it, it's still a little bit similar to what my parents went through. And, and, you know, no, you can hear, like you should hear because hearing is normal instead of, you know, embracing um, who they are and, and what they have. Um, because, yeah, the, 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 the side effect to that is that there is a lot of pain and frustration and that's physically, you know, energetically. And there's also the um, other elements of not feeling like, like that psychological element of not feeling um, themselves and being told to be something that they're not. Um, so there's that byproduct of, of that, which you see as kids as well. So I worked with kids that were in their early teens, 13, 14, um, and they were right at that stage in life where, you know, they were becoming men and women and, and, and going through adolescence and, you know, learning about themselves and, and f for them to be sort of um, kind of boxed in, it, it was, was hard to see. And, um, yeah, just really confronting and something that I'm passionate about. Um, well, thank you for thank you. speaking with us about your experience growing up and and how that's led you to who you are and it's really valuable insight. It um, led me to her. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is it's amazing um to like for me to have this experience and to learn more and um really valuable as well to learning how to communicate in different ways and and learning more, especially about you as my fiance. <laughs> and thank you for watching. There are, you know, if you're interested in learning more about sign language, there are different, um, there are actually different sign languages depending on the country that you're in. There's American Sign Language, Australian Sign Language, known as Auslan, British. I mean, it's endless, just like the languages. So you know, check it out. It's a huge, vibrant community that yeah, you might find yourself somehow a part of. And if you see someone that you think may be deaf, say good day. How would you say how would you say good day? Just wave. <laughs> <lie. laughs> okay. Maybe maybe how would you say how are you in Auslan? Um, 
the quick way would be to say, how are you? Are you good? So how are you? Yeah. And then what would be the more formal, I don't know you way? Would be, how are you? How are you? Yeah. How are you? There you go. Now you know a little bit of sign language. We're living in Auslan. You're not in Australia. <laughs> I don't know what the American one <laughs> So, thank you. Thanks for joining us today. You can find the entire transcript along with the video recording from today's episode in our show notes. Just visit ashtangadispatch.com. And while you're there, check out The Path, a unique online practice space that includes a monthly journal and a live gathering at the end of each month for members to connect and share. Also, Meg and I will be holding a mountain yoga retreat in Bozeman, Montana, July 31st through August 4th, with a daily morning yoga practice and afternoon explorations. Come and connect with nature, yours, and the wildness that is Montana. Again, details are on the website, ashtangadispatch.com. Thanks for listening.